Pigs Mix is brought to you by the Arometa Show on youtube.com forward slash Arometa Show and Broadcasting Liberated Syndication and is in association with the Old School Lane podcast. Pigs Mix is brought to you by oldschoollane.blogspot.com and is associated with the Arometa Show. Welcome to Big Smakes with Aaron and Patricia. Hey, Patricia, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there. Yeah. Uh, almost um, done with the first month of 2018, and uh, February is approaching, so can't wait to see what's to come in the next couple of months. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, just to let everybody in the know, um, we've had some massive technical problems here at the Arometa Show studio, so uh, we're a little bit. Uh, uh, off edge at the moment so uh, do apologize if you hear any like any mistakes or anything like that and uh, also if you might hear like any fuzzing in the background is because we're still basically putting the studio back together so uh, we do apologize in advance of that but uh, anyway uh, to get our minds off that uh, I think we do have a pretty entertaining uh, uh, picks mix uh, to bring you because uh, we've actually drawn quite uh, an interesting film uh, which is actually the second of a very popular trilogy Yes, it is cars, everybody. No, <laughs> no. no, I'm kidding. I am kidding. Uh, no, it is not cars. It's a, it's going to be inevitable, isn't it? We're going to do the second car. Stop. Yes, I know. I'm yeah. not looking forward to it. No. But no, the, the random wheel has granted us. Thank you, random wheel, for the second time so far. We got Ratatouille last time, and now we have another fantastic Pixar movie. We have Toy Story 2. I always have concerns about sequels because, uh, I mean, as far as I'm aware, I mean, when you have, like, a really popular film that, like, just goes all out, and, uh, like, Toy Story did, you know, when they say that there's going to be a second movie, it's understandable because it wants to build off the uh, popularity of the first film, but at the same time, it has you a little bit nervous as well because you're kind of asking yourself, is it going to be better or is it going to be on the level of the first film? And I have to say, they really did top this one, and uh, I have to say, this probably has to be, out of all movie sequels i think this has to be one of my favorite sequels me too and of course similar to what we were discussing about with the good dinosaur toy story 2 actually had some behind the scenes issues they were originally going to make this a direct-to-video movie because they were putting all of their higher ups to doing a bug's life so uh, because of um the bug's life um it did get um critical and financial success but it wasn't up to par with Toy Story. And you have to understand that, um, you know, they were thinking about doing a sequel for the longest time, but they it was a huge stake because Pixar was still fairly new at the time. Uh, you know, this would have been their third movie. And they decided that they were going to put everything all out. They were going to, um, you know, basically um, work really hard, you know, pushing in over budget, doing things at the last minute to create um, what was once going to be a direct-to-video movie into a theatrical one, and they flew in with uh, flying colors. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, there's not really much to- point talking about the, uh, the the short that came with the film because uh, uh, with uh, the first one we got Luxo Junior, and with the second one we got 
Luxo Jr. So uh, well, the first one was Tin Toy because it makes a lot of sense because um, Tin Toy is essentially the precursor to Toy Story. They wanted to make a movie on that, but yeah, we did discuss about Luxo Jr. in the Toy Story episode of Pix Mix, so you can go listen to that. But yeah, no uh, discussing of any shorts. Maybe next time. Maybe. Okay, so uh, the blog begins with Buzz Lightyear on an adventure, which turns out to be a video game that Rex is playing. And uh, I thought this was really fun to do to be at the beginning of it because, uh, you know, y- y- you do kind of wonder what Buzz Lightyear is like in his element. You know, like uh, what he's like in like his, uh, his, his story, if you will. And uh, so obviously it's him in space fighting the evil Emperor Zerg, which would actually become the premise of uh, the animated TV series. That would come afterwards. Yes, I was just about to say that as well, because um, the animated series would have been out around that time. It was 1999. So, yeah, they were probably giving like a little slight promotion towards the animated series. And I just kind of find it hilarious because have you ever played Toy Story for the Super Nintendo? Actually, I haven't. No. Uh, oh, okay. I, I, oh, so, I have played, to, to be fair, I have played the uh, Sega Mega Drive version, though. I think okay. I well, they're, they're pretty much the same. Okay. And... Because it came out in 1999, the Nintendo 64 would have been out at the time. So I'm just thinking about like looking at the graphics that, oh man, it just looks so like the movie. And then it's like, it's a Super Nintendo. It would have been like really all pixelated and stuff. Okay. Just before we get some angry uh, comments in the in the chat, well, just, just let me uh, tell you when uh, Buzz Lightyear of Star Commander was released. It was uh, original release between October 2nd of 2000 to January 13th of 2001. Oh, okay, so maybe they were giving a slight hint of a promotion. Like, hey, did you guys like that little clip of um, that video game where Buzz Lightyear was fighting off the evil Emperor Zerg? Well, we're going to make a TV series off of it coming next year. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it was was good as well, actually. So, you know, it was a good way of... uh... Of doing that, and uh, it, it did feel have a bit of like you know that kind of a He-Man cheese to it as well. That that uh, cartoon series. But anyway, we were uh, we, one day we'll talk about the cartoon series, but right now we're talking about Toy Story too, so we won't right. get distracted. Uh, so while um, the movie set in sometime after the events of first Toy Story, presumably about three years later, uh, Andy's preparing to leave for cowboy camp with his favorite toy, Woody. Uh, while playing with Woody, Buzz, and all the other toys, Andy almost tore Woody's arm off for uh, linking it for linking his arm with Buzz, leaving him unable to taking taking his doll to camp. So uh, this is actually you know, this was the kind of the 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 the, the um, setting of the premise really for the fact that Woody is an old cowboy doll and that uh, you know it's it kind of plays up on that fact that because uh, you do you do kind of forget that you know the fact that uh, Woody and Buzz are such you know uh, kind of like buddies that uh, you kind of forget that one is actually older than the other. Yeah, yeah, and uh, later on throughout the movie, we find out on how old Woody is, and it's definitely a great playthrough from the first movie in which uh, Woody was the favorite toy in Andy's room, and then Buzz came along, and he was like the new hip toy, so this is just emphasizing a lot more and putting it into Woody's perspective. Mm-hmm. So back on the shelf, uh, Woody finds that it was all a dream and an illusion uh, after uh, he after having a dream and illusion of uh, being uh, being thrown away, but and he is coughing and finds out that uh, it's uh, behind the dusty book. He finds another broken toy, which is Wheezy the Penguin, and uh, this is the bit where we uh, this is actually kind of a realistic situation actually because he says, "Oh, I thought uh, Andy's mom was going to fix you," and it's like, uh, "No, we just uh, end up uh, being put on the dusty shelf, and then we end up getting put in a toy sale." So uh, yeah, that's. Uh, that's, that's, that's a realistic scenario, actually. I've actually had toys actually broken, and uh, they've ended up disappearing. And I never seen yeah, pretty much. Again. They they are either given away at garage sales, or they're donated over to thrift stores, or they're just thrown in the dump, which I, I really um, 
it, it, that scene in which when um, Woody is imagining himself um, in, in like uh, being like thrown into the garbage and like he's being surrounded by all these broken off toys. It's actually pretty scary. Yeah, it almost feels like our generation was kind of like the last of the hand-me-downs. If you think about it, because uh, I still have like uh, you know a stuffed monkey from uh, my, that my mum gave me, and uh, oh. you know yeah, because like uh, I feel like you know there seems to be like a generation where it's like yeah we had something from our parents, but then after that we feel like uh, you know anything, uh, you know after that generation we feel like we've never really had really. It feels like you know they've kind of been given away or something like that. So it's like uh, it does feel like a generation lost in a way when you think about it yeah i guess you could say that you know we would have like an old hand-me-down from like an older sibling or from your parents and um nowadays everything's all about being new and being cutting edge and um you know upgrade 3.0 4.0 5.0 coming out like constantly quick and something that's like at least maybe like a year or two old would be considered very antiquated Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, a lot of uh, people I went to school with, uh, their grandfathers actually fought in wars, and so they uh, actually got like uh, you know like uh, you know like war, army paraphernalia. And when it came to my granddad, I got a stamp collection. Oh, <laughs> 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 and I actually did appreciate my stamp collection. Actually, I tell you, the stamp collection was actually quite interesting because he managed to get like stamps from like really weird places. So it's like you know. So I guess I was. Uh, I think. Mean, I think when you know, at face value, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like anything. But when you actually really drill down to it, it actually is quite sentimental. So that's uh, very nice. Uh-huh. Anyway, back to Toy Story. Uh, Woody's placed on the shelf, uh, and so that ends up happening. He goes to the yard sale, and he sees uh, Wheezy the penguin uh, being uh, being taken off to uh, to the yard sale, and so he goes off on a quest to rescue him and. Uh, Obviously, he doesn't go very well because he ends up kind of being part of the uh, uh, toy sale at the end of that. And uh, to the point where he falls into uh, the sight of a very avid toy collector. And so, uh, I don't know, this is the entrance of our um, our um, uh, antagonist, Al. So, I don't know what you thought about, about him. Uh, he's he's essentially pretty much like the same guy who's the evil who's who, um the evil bad guy in Jurassic Park. Oh wait, that's because they're the same person. <laughs> it's Wayne Knight. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, you know, we, we did see little bits of Al's toy barn from the first movie, so now we actually get to see um more of um al himself and we get to see like the actual toy barn itself and we get to learn more about the character and we learn that he wants woody really really badly he tries to haggle andy's mom for that and then um she declines on it because it's an old family toy and um then he decides that he's going to do a distraction and uh, pushes the skateboard and crashes it somewhere, and then he actually uh, steals Woody, and the toys um, do their very best to go after him, but um, the the they get the car gets away, and uh, Buzz has left a clue with um, you know the the license plate and with um, the the chicken feather. Yeah, the one nitpick I have about that is that what was he doing at the toys? Sorry, the the, the yard sale to begin with. Because like you know, it doesn't like he's it doesn't look like he lives like locally in the area from the looks of it. Uh, well, I mean, I guess from I guess the reason why is because he's actually looking for the collection. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll we'll discuss more about this later. But remember, there. I mean, eBay was kind of like minuscule of what we have now so i think that maybe he couldn't go online to see if there was any woody the cowboy dolls on 
eBay or something like that. So I'm sure he must have done this like multiple times and gone over to multiple neighborhoods to see if he can find um, a Woody the Cowboy doll. And since they're, um, you know, what the movie says, it's very rare. I'm sure that when he finally sees it, it's like, oh, man, I'm going to take it no matter what. Oh, my. Uh, imagine how many yard sales he must have actually gone around to actually find that Woody doll. Like, you know, just well, I mean, it, I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess it makes a lot of sense for him because since he is the owner of a toy store, I'm sure that he would maybe have contacts with other toy stores or um, maybe other places that have toys. And maybe if they didn't have it, then maybe he'll go over to other places. So it just so happens to be a huge coincidence. He just went over to that one particular yard sale and it had the doll that he was looking for. Mm hmm. So Woody is taken to Al's apartment where he is greeted by a yogling cowgirl named Jesse and also Bullseye and also gets to uh, meet the prospector. And uh, I have to say, very strong uh, supporting uh, cast in the second act. Yeah, so. Yes, I definitely do agree. They they each have their own distinct personalities. Uh, Jesse is very high strung. She's very enthusiastic. Um, the prospector is calm, and he's kind of like the leader of the group, making sure that everything is settled. Um, Bullseye is your typical horse, and this is the part of the movie where Woody finds out that he's not just some regular cowboy doll. He is a collector's item in this huge show from the 1950s called Woody's Roundup. And he sees like all the um, um, toys and merchandise and the TV show that, he, that Woody came from. And he's shocked by it because he never knew about it. Mm -hmm. It must been very... It's kind of weird because like uh, you have Buzz who knows pretty much to his backstory right to the point where he actually kind of like believes in it religiously at the beginning like in in the first film but you have woody who never really knew his origins which is uh very very strange to me like, yeah uh, it is very strange um i mean we don't really know about um who woody's original owner was i mean it was said that it was a family toy and maybe you know, if it was given either by if it was if it once belonged to his mom or if it belonged to Andy's father, and if it would have continued on for multiple generations, maybe as time went on, maybe Woody slowly starts forgetting about his you know his past. I mean, I'm sure that from you know he must have met up with a whole bunch of toys, and you know he must have gone through from house to house and seen you know the rest of the previous owners grown up. So. And actually questions about, does he remember the previous toys he used to hang out with? Or maybe it was just him and that previous owner when he, you know, when it was passed out from generation to generation. That actually begs a, a question about that. Huge question, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, how, much, how much how crazy would it be? How many, if What if uh, Woody actually belonged to Andy's father? And uh, Jesse, you know, because uh, there's uh, saying that uh, Jesse belonged to Andy's mom before. They oh, yeah, away. that's right. Because... Yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, Andy was wearing the, the cowboy hat, and the cowboy hat was from Jesse. So, yeah, that actually is another very popular Pixar theory that we'll, – we'll get to that a little bit later. But, yeah, yeah that would be really coincidental that, um, you know, a uh, Woody would have belonged to Andy's father. And, uh, yeah, that's – yet to be determined yeah it's like uh yeah his father said like you know oh i, I saw i saw the jesse doll and i had to have her it's like <laughs> 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 okay so uh uh they reveal that woody is uh, obviously the vintage sheriff woody uh of the uh forgotten children's television show woody's roundup and uh i, I like how i like how campy the uh the show was and how they basically even went out of their way to like you know remodel the whole like uh, yeah couldn't you imagine like they just basically just like 
redid the characters like in the show and uh, kind of like you know made them the same model but they instead they went out of their way to actually make it look like one of those 1950s you know even older than that you know those really early tv sh- shows where they didn't really know what they were doing to basically make children's entertainment so, like, yeah know. it definitely feels like a children's variety show from like the 40s and 50s in which they would have like these really crude looking puppets or they would have actors who would kind of portray as characters who would teach kids about manners or the alphabet or numbers or they would just do a whole bunch of funny jokes yeah and it wasn't until like the likes of sesame street would pretty much come by and um you know put the foundation on how a uh, children's educational programs should be and then you know later on we would have stuff like the electric company and bill nye and etc etc yeah i'll tell you what sesame street did change the game quite a lot yeah it pretty much did because look back on like um local um kids shows from the 40s and 50s and you'll see just how crude and how low budget it was and Mm -hmm. um for some people, they find it to be really charming because I do know uh, some people who grew up with that kind of stuff and um, every single state um, had their own version of a children's variety show. And that kind of stuff is a lost art unless it's like being parodied in some way. Yeah. But do, yeah, do they, I mean, everybody, do, I mean, if you're doing every, a children's educational show, you're pretty much taking the Sesame Street route. Didn't every syndicated local television station have their own version of Bozo? Uh, if I if I remember, like they have like this, uh, they have like a, a character called Bozo the Clown, and like he'd be different for every state. I think. I think he, I think that might be the case. Yeah, I do yeah. know that. Um, every state had at least like a different character or different interpretations of the character. And then, you know, we've had the likes of like Howdy Doody and the Peanut Gallery, and that was like also like. Uh, a big national popular show from the fifties, and um, you know a ton of that. Uh, and then eventually, you know, Sesame Street would come along and change everything. And then Ro- Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, um, Pee-wee's Playhouse basically was a parody of that. While at the same time, put in its own surreal twist. And then, oh, hold on. Oh. There we go. Okay. So basically, we just put in its own twist as to how to present. It. Oh, we just lost you again. And Woody's Roundup because um, it definitely feels like something that you would see in the 1950s. Uh, the wooden uh, cardboard backgrounds and the you can see the strings and the puppets and the the hokey acting. So, oh, yeah. Uh, hold on just one second. Yeah, no, we're having it. troubles here. People were <laughs> apologizing. Sounds like your microphone's trying to attack so, Yeah, you. basically, um, that's... Um, I would say that, yeah, it, it's pretty faithful for what the movie is presenting um, with Woody's Roundup. Yeah. So, anyway, go back to Toy Story 2. Uh, <laughs> um, so, um, the prospector warns Woody that he uh, faces the same fate that Andy a- after Andy ages, and uh, Woody agrees to go along with the Roundup gang to the museum. Uh, Buzz and his friends uh, search for Al and Al Toybon, and so uh, I don't know. How did you feel about the whole, ser- you know, going towards Al Toybon and going to the whole search? Um, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I'm glad that they were able to expand more of the characters because throughout the first Toy Story, we did get a little bit in the first act, but then throughout the second and third act, it was all about Woody and Buzz. So now that Woody is um, in the um, other 
uh, it was with the other characters, and we get to know a little bit more about Buzz and Mr. Potato Head and Slinky and Rex. So we actually get to focus on them, and that's how um, we learn a little bit more about their personalities. We learn about uh, their determination to save Woody, and we actually get some really cool um, scenes with um, these characters when they're crossing the street and when they eventually go over to Al's toy barn. So I kind of actually like it. I mean, the first one uh, was sort of like a buddy, you know, cop movie. And then the second one is sort of like a rescue mission and finding out one's identity. Actually, one thing we should, you should notice at the beginning of this is that apparently uh, aren't uh, both Woody and Buzz voiced, voiced by the same voice, voice, actor, voice actor? Because they didn't get... Uh, they didn't get the person who voiced Buzz Lightyear back again. I don't believe. For the uh, um, you mean Tim Allen? Yeah, I believe it was Tim Allen who voiced both both characters. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, Tim Allen did Buzz. Uh, Tom Hanks did Woody. Yeah. Okay then. So. Well. Okay. Yeah. So- the only time in which uh, Tom Hanks would not be the voice of Woody is if it's in like video games or toys or anything like that. Then his brother would be the voice of Woody. Okay. So uh, yeah. Um, so after uh, Buzz orders friends to split up and look, uh, he gets separated from the group, and uh, he. Uh, uh, sorry, I can hear myself echoing again in the. Uh... Oh yeah, sorry. Okay. Just, uh... There we go. Okay, I'm just fixing it up. Fix all these. Uh... Let's wait for a while. Let's wait for it to change. Okay. Okay. Cool. So uh, after the buzz orders his friends to go look after, uh, go look for go look for Woody around uh, the uh, toy toy store. Um, buzz Lightyear meets up with another Buzz Lightyear, and uh, obviously a fight ensues, and uh, he ends up getting packaged, repackaged back up into a box due to a misunderstanding. Because uh, this is actually kind of fun because all the uh, the Buzz Lightyears are still like they think they are still Buzz Lightyear, kind of the same way that Buzz Lightyear. Did think he was Buzz Lightyear, and how crazy was that sentence? But uh, <laughs> um, so they all still believe that uh, they're in this whole, you know, um, you know, make believe world of, of Buzz Lightyear, and uh, Buzz obviously gets, you know, uh, the, the 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 Buzz that belongs to Andy obviously gets uh, packaged away, and uh, the the uh, the other Buzz ends up getting uh, brought back together with the rest of the group, and so uh, basically he's buzzing it up pretty much the entire time that he's with them. So. Yeah, I actually find this to be really hilarious that we have another Buzz Lightyear who was pretty much the same as the uh, as how Buzz was in the first movie. It just definitely shows you about how much Buzz has changed in the course of two movies. You know, he has the helmet off. He's a lot more calmer. He knows that he's not on a mission to save the planet from the evil Emperor Zerg or what have you. So it, it's actually kind of lampooning itself. Yeah, the one thing I will say about Buzz, you know, with his um, with with his persona in this movie is that yeah, because the helmet's down when he's obviously you know in a in more when he's when he's in a recreational uh, position, but then when he's like uh, out for adventure, he puts his he puts his helmet down, and, yeah, uh, yeah, because he knows you know shit's gonna go down, so uh, you mm-hmm. know put the helmet down, uh, so. Um, the original Buzz breaks free and is uh, is follows them back back to the back to uh, Al's apartment. Uh, but while leaving the store, he accidentally frees Emperor Zerg, which uh, uh, I have to say is uh, brings a lot of hilarity to uh, to the side. And this is the one thing I do like about Toy Story too. Like there's like they do bring like hilarious items into it, but they don't dilute the story. So it's like you know they're they kind of like tagged on to like the adventure. So that's 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 what's quite fun about the whole chase of the of the rescue mission in uh, in this. 
Yeah, and also when the evil Emperor Zerg, you have um, them fighting, um, you know, Buzz, and it, it just makes it look like something that you saw in the beginning of the movie, and it, 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 you even have, like, of course, Star Wars reference. Mm -hmm. Because why not? Because why not? Um, so, um... So um, Buzz finally and the gang finally catch up to Woody, and uh, he reminds Woody that uh, you know you're a child's plaything. You are a toy, and so uh, that's that's one line's brought back from the other one, and so this uh, brings up the uh, conversation between the two. Where Woody's basically saying, "Well, how much longer? You know, one more rip and he's done with me." And so um, Woody basically makes the decision to stay, and the group leaves off without him. And uh, but then um, the uh, TV comes back on and uh, it shows that uh, Woody's saying you got a friend in me and uh, good um, good uh, foreshadowing for uh, basically what uh, uh, Woody's going to do next. So because uh, it's uh... yeah yeah um, I, I forgot to mention this earlier, but um, the guy who's fixing Woody and making him look good as new, it's Jerry from the Pixar short of The Bug's Life from Jerry's Games. Oh, wow. I never actually actually didn't know that. That's, uh, well, learned something today. And so, because, uh, I mean, the, uh, yeah, I, I, looking going back to that scene, it was, um, it was very cra creatively done because uh, you could see that he, like, he's got like a whole, um, you know, it's kind of like a parlor. Kind of like you know, by, by built into the box, and uh, you know, there was a lot of imagination brought into uh, that element of it. You know, you see him like uh, you know pull this switch, and like uh, all of a sudden this kind of like uh, you know uh, this uh, clothes hanger comes up, and he hangs his hat up on it and stuff like that. And uh, so it was, uh, and he also has like this chair, and it was like a kind of like a barber's chair. And uh, so yeah, yeah it was, it was, it was and very I think well that's done. similar to hand me downs. I think that toy fixing like that has become a lost art. Mm hmm. Because nowadays, if something's broken, we buy a new one. We don't fix it. I mean, I do know that there are some toy hospitals, but they're few and far between. Yeah. There is somebody on DeviantArt, and uh, I can't remember the name of that person, but apparently, like, she takes, like, uh, you know, Disney dolls, and, like, uh, you know, because they kind of, like, you know, they put them through a factory and stuff like that. She takes them and uh, basically makes them even look, like, like, a thousand times better than they would actually coming out of the factory. You know, oh, like wow. it doesn't like doesn't look real well. So yeah, she's out there somewhere. If someone can give me a name for her, I'll definitely you know uh, put a link for her. But uh, you know, that, there's yeah, there's people out there who actually do take toys and actually do restore them. And uh, so that, that that practice is still out there. So yes, it is, but it's not as common as probably it once was. No, it is a special kind of thing. I think you know, special enough to basically be. Uh, you know, it keeps featuring on DeviantArt, so uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not talking about, like, um, commissions in which, like, if you pay a few dollars, they'll make you something new from scratch. But nope. we're talking about, like, taking a toy from, like, 40 or 50 years old and um, having the toy hospital come by and fixing it as good as new. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, we're going back on to uh, uh, to the Dracula Woody. story, and uh, so um, Woody decides he changes his mind that he wouldn't miss Sandy growing up for the rest for the world, and so uh, he um, basically tries to convince uh, the group to go with him. But uh, we get a, basically a uh, a very surprise uh, antagonist in the prospector who traps traps them in the room. So uh, I think this this actually did catch me by surprise, actually. You know, yeah, me too. Yeah. I didn't expect the prospector to be the villain in this movie because he was he was in the box. It's like how can you how can he get out of the box? It's like, oh, he could have if he just like popped open the lid, but 
no, I mean, throughout the movie, we were like, oh, he's never been opened, but no, he has been. He, you know, for some reason, he was able to get him uh, to get out. I don't know if he was able to get like in the top or the bottom lid, but yeah, he was the one who turned on the TV to wake up Al so we can put him back. And yeah. um, well, he go through and- the he go through the front. And uh, so, like, he has like a front like window in his box, and so he got, right, he right. Got so out maybe he way. could have gotten fr- out from there, yeah. yeah. And the reason why he doesn't want Woody to go back with Buzz and his friends is because um, throughout his entire life as a toy, he has been in a dime cent store when the show was no longer popular, seen every other toy being sold. And now he finally has his redeeming moment where he'll be in the museum and he'll be loved by millions of children that he never got to have. And he's not going to let Woody and anybody else mess with that. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah. I just think, um, I mean, obviously I think Al still is probably like the main villain of the film because if it wasn't for him, you know, uh, you know, obviously this whole adventure of this whole, you know, debacle would never have happened in the film. But, that is uh, true. Yeah. I guess he's, he's, I guess he's more like the surprise, um, secondary villain, but yeah, he is one of the main villains. Mm-hmm. So um, we end up with this uh, situation. So um, Al comes back in, he grabs everybody, and he's on his way next flight to Japan. And uh, so um, that's um, that. That gets to the point where uh, they have to uh, commandeer a pizza delivery, the, the the famous Pizza Planet delivery truck, to go chase after him in the taxi, and uh, that ends up going to our bit in the airport. And uh, I don't remember too much about the chase. I mean, obviously we got to see the aliens again. But I think that was uh, one bit out of it, and. Uh, you know, yeah, and and also the aliens, they may be annoying here, but they're going to be a huge help in the third movie. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I never, and I would have never seen that coming from a mile away when I first saw that. But we'll take, the, we'll talk about that eventually. Talk about that eventually. Who knows? Maybe we might talk about it in the next one. Who knows? Who knows? But, yeah. Who yeah. knows? So uh, we get to the we get to the bit of the airport. I tell you what, the airports the airport scene, you know, in the in the in the, in the third, I think is a, a very a very huge, very powerful scene. But uh, I mean, the the physics, I don't think, and I, I do get it. And it's like it is a children's animation film, but at the same time, the physics don't really make much sense. I mean, because uh, I mean, when we get to the point where they get onto the get get you know they get onto um, the to the air the airplane. And uh, the the jet, and then uh, you see uh, you know Bullseye being able to run as fast as the thing. It's like you know it's uh, that that's a pretty crazy thing in itself because you know that the fact that the plane is going like you know I don't know what at least more than seventy miles an hour. It's like you mm-hmm. know so uh, yeah it's pretty crazy for that to happen. But uh, obviously there's more before that. There was obviously the scene with uh, you know this whole maze of uh, uh, luggage handling in uh, in the airport uh uh in the airport with in the airport itself and uh, so then there's this whole big standoff between uh Woody and uh and the prospector and uh then uh, the uh oh, with Woody and and then Buzz and uh, the gang basically chasing after them and uh, that to me was a very uh, it was a, it was a very you know uh pa- you know, honestly powerful scene i would say it's a very 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 um it is a good scene, you know. Definitely. Yeah, it was a very exhilarating scene. Exhilarating scene, yeah, because you're gonna like when they were getting to the point where they were getting towards the box, and then they open it up, and all this is just basically just a bunch of camera equipment, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, you know that that was like, yeah, a good flash though. It's like so, it's uh, yeah, that was a uh, that was a good chase in itself. So it yes. gets to, it goes from that point, and uh, the prospector finally gets his comeuppance, and um, uh, then he basically gets put into a into a little girl's bag. Along with a yeah, girl, a I girl guess. with like cornrows, and she's 
crazy about redesigning her dolls. We have a Barbie doll who has cornrows and she has like a whole bunch of makeup and she's like, hey, you'll like this owner. She's an artist. And it's like, oh, wow, that's going to be, that's not good for the prospector. But then again, he kind of deserved it. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, um, so they get to the point with the airplane and uh, they obviously, because um, what happens is uh, Jesse still is in the box, and so she ends up uh, being boarded onto the plane uh, before they're able to uh, to get her out, and so it's off to Woody, Buzz, and Bullseye to go save the day. Uh, they get onto the onto the plane, Try uh, Woody tries to get her off, but then his arm rips again and uh, during the rescue, and uh, that actually did uh, give some, uh, you know, very dramatic, it gives a very dramatic moment, I think, you know, because the fact that, uh, you know, it's... Uh, I don't. Know. I don't want to say it was as dramatic as like the first film when uh, it looked like, you know, Woody was going to get, you know, eaten up by the dog. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't say. But uh, it was still pretty dramatic in itself. So. Uh. Yeah, and I also like the fact that he was able to, um, you know, convince uh, Jesse to, um, you know, come with him to, you know, swing down from the plane, saying that it was going to be, you know, pretend this is the last episode of Woody's Roundup, and they were going to like. Um, swing down and to safety and right before the plane takes off and she gets really excited and that's when she decides that um, you know she's really going to be staying with um, Andy and the rest of the toys and and then we have um, this really hilarious scene that you know we we didn't even actually see though but the the, the toys were able to get home on time because they stole one of the um the luggage carts and they were able to drive it all the way back home and you have a whole bunch of the neighbors just looking looking at it it's like how did this get here (laughs) and you know that would have been a pretty interesting scene if we would have seen that but then again i'm sure it would have been just a a rehash of how they got to the airport and yeah but still it's actually pretty funny that you know they were able to drive a luggage cart and um, we have Andy coming back from cowboy camp and he's really excited that, um, you know, that there's uh, new toys with uh, Jesse and Bullseye. And um, then Woody has, um, you know, his arm fixed by Andy, which never looks like went that way again. I just want to mention, let you know that he never gets that muscular, beefy looking arm in Toy Story 3 or any of the Toy Story shorts. So mm-hmm. it's actually pretty funny with that retcon. Yeah, because uh, I'd imagine probably the air just came out of his arm after after that. So uh, who knows? Sure, but <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> we'll go with that. So um, they all get together in Andy's room, and uh, obviously they found an extra squeaker for uh, for Wheezy the penguin, and uh, he sings uh, a variation of uh, "You Got a Friend in Me," and uh, it's uh, funny enough though. It's like you know, it's a nice rendition, but uh, I still prefer you know Randy Newman's. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but, yeah, you know. <laughs> we all do. And um, then, oh, and Al basically is uh, is uh, he's in his chicken suit on the on the commercial, and uh, he's obviously you know you know crying his eyes out because obviously he's lost all his uh, you know and uh, Hams basically says you know well guess crime doesn't pay, and so that was a good payoff uh, watching that after that. So uh, yeah, that was a pretty nice payoff. And then uh, the movie ends with Woody and Buzz coming together, and. Um, Buzz is asking if uh, he's afraid of Andy getting older and losing interest in him. And he says, nah, it'll be fun while it lasts. And he, and then he, the the line concludes with, as long as I have uh, my best friend here with me for infinity and beyond. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, there was a bit of foreshadowing, I think, to Toy Story 3 in uh, in, in this film, because uh, Stinky Beats' words uh, foreshadow various things that happen in the next film. His words are, children destroy toys, you'll be uh, ruined, forgotten, spending eternity rotting in some landfill. It uh, happens and almost uh, comes true as the young children at uh, Sunny Daycare do uh, destroy toys and do, uh, throw them in, and do throw them into a landfill. So, Toy Story 3, you know, there's some foreshadowing there in Toy Story 2, so uh, that's... Uh, yeah, we just need to wait another 11 years for that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, actually, right before we um, give our ranking, this is the first time that we actually are discussing about this in Pixmix because they've only done it three times. Um, the bloopers. Oh, yeah. The, uh, this is actually one of the very few films that actually has the bloopers in it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I got to be honest. Yeah. After I saw the bloopers from uh, Toy Story 2 and Monsters, Inc. And, uh, and I think they Bugs did Life. like uh, the Bugs Life. They did them for as well. And I think they did like some kind of crazy thing for The Incredibles. But, uh, you know, I really do miss the bloopers, actually, that they did for uh, for that. I wish they kind of did some more. Yeah, know, I, I wish that they would do the same as well because, I mean, I don't know if the bloopers were, like, intentional or it, um, they were actually flub lines that they animated or, like, they, you know, that, uh, I mean, I'm sure, like, with some of them, sure, like, you know, when Woody would sit down and um, the tape actually, you know, he, like, fell through the hole. But, um, yeah, I'm actually curious about um, how much of those were actually bloopers or how much of those were actually fabricated. Maybe they were improv. Like you know, yeah, like, a lot of it is improv. Um, have you seen the Lion King animated bloopers? Yeah, I have actually. Uh, were, were they that's, actually? That's just, actually really funny. Were they actually genuine? You know, retakes and stuff like. Uh, yeah, I think from what I've read, there were like, um, like legit bloopers from the actors, and um, somebody took the time to animate it. Oh, well, which I, I've never, I've you rarely see that anymore. I wish that would be more like common because I do know that they have like blooper takes in which like they would play off a scene and then um you know be the same scene that they will be um acting in and then it would be just the raw audio with them flubbing a line or swearing or something like that but not like um the actual audio and then drawing it from scratch oh how fun would the hey arnold the jungle movie bloopers have been oh <laughs> how <laughs> fun would great. they have been oh that would have been like yeah like you know, like uh, Arnold and Helga like going in for the kiss, and then, like he just kind of misses him, misses Helga on the lips because you know yeah, he's that yeah, dense about like, it. Like little lower football head, <laughs> like you know, and uh, then it's like uh, you know when when they when they're like doing like the whole like poison darts thing, and like you know the poison darts fails come out of the wall, and like you know they're kind of <laughs> jumping up and down to get them to release it. <laughs> oh, that would. Yeah, or maybe like more improvisational. Um, you know, um, what you call it, like characters that La Sombra would be doing with the mustaches, like, you know, Frida Kahlo, I'm Eduardo, I'm, I'm La Sombra, I'm, I'm, I'm Eduardo, maybe you can like play like other characters like, um, like, um, I'm Groucho Marx or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah, so mm -hmm. the, we missed the bloopers. I hope they do some more in other Pixar films. Yeah, I, I, I do wish that, but they only done it three times, and um, from the looks of it, I don't think they're going to do it again, which is a shame. Yeah, it is. So, uh, box office, uh, it did $245 million in the, bo in the box office, and so that was, uh, uh, that was pretty good. And the reviews, uh, right now, uh, according to this, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it's still 100%. So, yeah. not one critic. I mean, very few people do not like this movie, and it's kind of a reason why. I mean, this is a prime example, uh, example on how to do a sequel right. 
Yeah, I'd love to see a like a bad review of Toy Story two and just see what on earth they would complain about it. Like you know, like uh, <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, have you have Probably you uh, have you ever seen have you ever seen the infamous review of Super Mario sixty four where the the big complaint from the guy was that it wasn't as good as Toy Story? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. That is, that is a, oh god that's the only and, and I, also, I, I saw this one in guru larry's uh, fact hunt about some guy who was complaining about um one of the aliens games for the playstation having like um inexcusable controls it's like you have to um you know move with the left analog stick and you have to move the camera with the right analog stick and you have to push to shoot with the R1 button. It's like, this was so bad, you might as well use a mouse. Oh my god. Like, you know. It's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know when people are so ingrained in their own ways. Like, I mean, to be to be fair, I mean, I use a controller. I've always been brought up on a controller, you know, for games. Like, mm. so ever since the Super Nintendo days, I was always brought up on a controller. So, you know, for, for me, playing on, and also, on, uh, you know, in regards to playing on a PC, like, you know, we, I, I played with a PC that didn't even have a mouse. I, I only had the keyboard. So, like, you yeah. know, I was playing Lemmings with that. So it's like, you know, and like Golden Axe and stuff. So, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know it's like, I, I can understand why some people have been brought in their own ways. But when you're a professional, like, reviewing something, it's like, come on. It's like, you know, like, you have to get to grips with this kind of stuff. You can't, you know, you're just going to be end up humiliating yourself pretty much. Yeah. So. All right. So let's finally give our ranks of how we feel about this movie. Uh, I'll say nine because uh, I think uh, I don't see, you know, I think it is up there. With uh, some of the films, I mean, uh, I would say though, you know, in regards to like, you know, why you know, Al looking around for like, you know, you know, millions of yard sales, you know, looking for this Woody doll, I think was kind of, I don't know, it's, and also on uh, there was um, there was something else I was I was thinking about that which I didn't particularly like about about Toy Story two, but uh, I mean, it was um, I'm trying to think what it was actually. Um, no, I think, uh, yeah, I think I would say probably 9.5 at this point, you know, it's like, yeah, uh, I'll say it's really tough because as a sequel, it's definitely better than the first or it's just as good. I mean, it's not like it was a massive disappointment or a rehash. No. So, um, yeah, there's very little to complain about it other than just minor nitpicks. So I'm gonna give it, um, it's really tough because I gave it a 10, for the original. So as for the second one, let's see. I'll probably just give it another 10 because I think that it's just as good, if not better than the, than the first movie. It does a lot of things right. It adds new characters. It has new locations. Um, The stakes are higher. It gives a lot of um, deep thoughts about, um, you, you know, what would happen if um, your original owner grows up and you have to be, you know, put on the shelf. And, you know, we also have that amazing moment with Jessie when she's talking about Emily and that really beautiful song, oh, yeah. When Somebody Loves Me. It's amazing. So, yeah, I think it's just as good as the original. You know, so, well, there's, there's actually a demo recording of that song of uh, Randy Newman singing it. And even he makes it sound emotional. It's like, you know, it's like, mm. it's a, tell you what, I should change my mind. I'll give it a 10. 
as well. Sure. So, okay, that's yeah. fine. I think, uh, yeah. So, yeah, um, we both give it a 10. Uh, if you have not seen this movie, then what rock are you living under? Go watch it. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I'm hoping that you actually have watched it listening to this because I think we've probably given most of it away. So, uh, <laughs> 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 or giving it all away, sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, so that was another episode of Picks Mix. Um, so, uh, sorry the schedule's gone a little bit uh, screwed up a little bit. I think uh, right now we're on the um, we're on this episode, which should have really gone out, should have come to you uh, over the weekend, but unfortunately it's just been pushed back. So uh, we're going to probably have another one probably by next week, I probably imagine. So probably about between Tuesday and Wednesday next week, I probably imagine. So uh, um, we'll, we'll keep you posted and let you know when we're going to do the next one. But uh, anyway... From myself, Aaron. And Patricia. Take care, and bye-bye for now. See you later.